When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hey, Joshua. What's going on? Ah, uh, well, you know what's going on. This is so freaking exciting. Today, we have with us the uh, the director of the Renegade Film Festival, Vanessa Yonta Wright. Yay! Welcome to the Hello. Wes Craven uh, Virtual Lab. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to do this. Yeah, this is this is super super exciting for us. So we have been um, uh, just so ready for this uh, festival to happen, and uh, it's just great to have you here with us today to to chat. So first, how's everybody doing? How's everybody's weeks? I mean, I can imagine Vanessa that you're uh, <laughs> yeah, in full it's, like <laughs> it's crunch time. I have you can't really see it because I've tried to strategically place, but I have many boxes of of, of stuff in this office oh. ready to, to move over to the fest in about a month but uh oh, well i'm sad that we're going to be adding to that with some of our merch but <laughs> we again appreciate that you uh, yeah. offered to take <laughs> i still have some room behind me so we're good <laughs> i yeah i see <laughs> i'll start building a fort <laughs> yeah do you ever think, what do you think um what do you think the like delivery people think of your house like do they think that you're like a drug dealer or i think they probably think i have some sort of shopping addiction um just because of the amount of and we're going to be out of town next week i'm taking the kids to orlando to go to universal and uh disney and everything and i've i've got boxes that are supposed to be coming next week and so i'm like i gotta make sure i talk to my neighbor because i've got shipments coming in (laughs) yeah i'm sure the delivery people they know me they know my dog I mean, it's just like, it's me. I, I'll take oh, that. That's sweet. I, I'm convinced like our mailman like hates us. Uh, Cause like, yeah, I'm just constantly getting stuff. I get a lot of things delivered. I actually get cat, uh, cat litter delivered. Oh, and yeah. I always feel bad when they like throw, cause it's, they put it on my porch with such anger. Like, cause it's like a big, you know, box of like three bags of like, you know, just pounds of cat litter. And yeah. like, yeah, it always is like, boom. Fuckers. <laughs> yeah. We get the same thing because I buy like the giant thing of dog food that comes like, every three months. And now we have a bearded dragon. So we order his uh, substrate. It's basically oh. dragon litter. It's what it is. Huh. Cool. Yeah. Bearded dragons. Are though like, what do those look like? Are they like an iguana kind of thing or? They look similar. Um, I'm learning so much about them. He's brumating right now which is i guess what cold-blooded animals it's their hibernation okay and i'm glad i learned because i thought he was dead uh 
Oh. I was like, he has not come out of the rock. I think he's dead. No, he's just, it's, you know, his version of hibernation. So every day is something new, but they're really cool. I mean, I have to say. Are they big? Like, how big are they? Or do they get big? Like, I, I'm not, I don't yeah, know much about reptiles. I think they get <laughs> up to, like, two feet in length, but I think that includes their tail. Oh, and wow. their weight is in grams, so I, I don't know. <laughs> That's like all right. A, I don't know. Like a like a cheesesteak? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I love that. <laughs> yeah, but they're they're super cool animals. They're very friendly. He's he's pretty neat. Um huh. Yeah. Well, how fun. Yeah, I uh, just going back, thinking about the fest, when I got up this morning, I looked at the date and I'm like, oh my gosh, in a month from now, it'll be over. Like, you know, we'll yeah. be like coming back and like that, that it was kind of surreal. So yeah, <sighs> but and it, it always goes by so fast. There's all this like build up and planning and planning and then you get there and it, it's, it's, I equate it to like a wedding where you just like blink and all of a sudden it's over and then you just have to gear up and start again for the next one. <laughs> right. You, it's like the next day, right? It's like, what is the nightmare before Christmas where like the very next day, it's like 364 days to yep. the next Halloween. Like, <laughs> That's exactly how it is. <laughs> just starts immediately. Um, all right. Well, let's dive in and just, yeah, let's chat about the festival a little bit. I love your bio on the page uh, for the, um, what it says, among things you enjoy punctuality. I, I uh-huh. love that. Um what was it? Bacon jam? Yeah. Have you had bacon jam? <laughs> what is bacon jam? No. It's but... the best thing ever, and I oh. couldn't agree more. Yeah. It should be on everything all the time. All right. Yeah. So bacon jam. So what is bacon jam? I honestly wish I knew exactly what goes into it, because it literally is like a jam or a jelly or a preserve, if you will, with bacon and some sort of wizard's magic. I don't know. It's delicious. If if you can find it, if they offer it at a restaurant, you get it and you put it on whatever you're eating. It will make it delicious. All right. Well, we're going to find some of that. They have that there in uh, Georgia? <laughs> Probably. You know, I'm going to try to find some. Seriously, if I can find some, I will have it for you at the fest. And then I'll just give it to you with a spoon. <laughs> oh, I love Like, it. I'll be fine in the, in the hotel. I'm really room. surprised that you haven't ever had some, Joshua. Like, we... No. We live in California. I feel like some bougie person has figured out how to make bacon into jam. I mean, yeah, I'm sure it exists, but you know, I, I the problem is by the time I hear of some like fancy bougie new eatery, it's already gone. Mm. <laughs> they open right. and close so fast here in San Diego. It's like people get bored after a couple of months. I I don't know. You but could open the bacon jammery. <laughs> there we go. If it's if it's so good, we're we'll uh we'll just do it ourselves. Like we'll bring it back. We'll import it from yes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had this bacon jam? Uh Another cool thing that I see in your in your biography here is that you have a fully authorized Stephen King adaptation. Uh, yes. A short, a short. Is that one of like the Dollar Baby? Yes. Very cool. Which uh, yeah. which short was that, or which uh, what, what story did you adapt? I adapted Rainy Season. Uh, it was actually my first film out of like college. I mean, I really hadn't directed anything since then so I was 
stepping back into those shoes. And I was like, eh, we'll start with the Stephen King story. Yeah, very cool. Is like is Stephen King, is that like your root with horror? Is that like one of those like first things you were exposed to or 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 what what is that for you? A bit, yeah. It was the first he was the first that I really read. It was kind of what really got me into reading as like a, a teenager. Oh, um yeah. you know, I mean outside of reading all of my Ramona Quimby books when I was like eight, because that's what <laughs> we did. Um, I didn't really read a lot for pleasure. And my mom had pretty much every Stephen King book. And I always saw her reading them. I was like, what are these books? Why are you so into them? And I think she was hesitant because she was like, I don't want to get you started on this. But <laughs> yeah, I took, I think the first one I read actually was an anthology called Four Past Midnight. Oh, yeah, yeah, with the Langoliers. Yes, and that was the very first story that I read. And I was like, oh, I shall covet all of it. And (laughs) I've kind of been a constant reader ever since. Uh, But Rainy Season, I didn't know. Uh, I was not familiar with that story. Yeah, what's that from? I I don't know that either. It was was in his collection, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Um, Okay. And I was like, "Ah, let me look at something I don't know, because... I feel like so much of his stuff gets done or has a certain, you know, I, I kind of really wanted to start fresh. Yeah. And I immediately, I loved it. It just, it really reminded me of um, Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. And a couple pages in, he actually references that. So I didn't even need to read any further. I was like, I get it. I'm in. I'm in. This is my story. Huh. So I, I applied and went and made a movie. Well, how cool. I, and I love that your mom kind of brought that. That was saying my mom introduced me to like Stephen King books. Uh, although yeah. she was happy to have me read them. <laughs> but uh, she was also very young and uh, a teenager. And teenagers aren't the best judge at maybe what uh, the children should be reading, at least yeah. in the 80s. <laughs> well, you know, my mom was kind of the same way. She was, I think she just turned 22 and she had me. And Wow, yeah, yeah. Um, I as imaginative and, you know, wonderful as I was as a child, I think that imagination ran really, really wild. And I was terrified of everything. So I think she was nervous to kind of like, Oh, if I give you this, no one will ever sleep again. <laughs> you know, so, Cause I do, I still scare myself with stuff. No one will ever sleep again. I won't sleep again. Cause you'll be keeping me up. Kind of thing. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> we did a big deep dive um, into uh, Stephen King. We watched like 40 some films because, you know, Joe hadn't like seen a bunch of them. And uh, it was actually in, you know, just shout out to Marissa, the Jersey Ghouls, because uh, yeah. Marissa is the reason we're here. They linked us all together. So we appreciate that. Thank you, Marissa. Uh, yeah. But we also did that with uh, with them. They, they did sort of like a March Madness uh, Stephen King thing where it was like comparing uh, you know, you you know how the March Madness thing. I can't explain it because I don't really understand it. I'm not a sports ball person. But One like thing the about breakdown, brackets, the bracket, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. brackets, the bracket. So you know, Stephen King is uh is, is a massive presence. Uh, I mean, you can't avoid, you know, Stephen King, Anne Rice, Clive Barker, like you know, in yeah. horror, can't really avoid talking about <laughs> them for too long. <clears throat> um. All right, so let's just talk a little bit about the festival itself. So uh, it's currently the Renegade Film Festival, but uh, it used to be called the Women in Horror Film Festival. Was that the inception? That's how it started, and then it changed? Yes. 
So yeah, yeah, tell us about just, yeah, how it came together and yeah, uh, we launched the fest. Um, it was late 2016, but the very first one happened in 2017. Um, and kind of as as a reaction to ourselves as filmmakers and screenwriters attending festivals, um, we were not seeing a huge female presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it was kind of like, why? why? Where, where are they? I know they're they're there. Why? What's happening? So we just decided like, okay, well, let's just create a fest and shine a little spotlight on women. And it was really after uh, the 2020 event, you know, the world shut down. And I'd say societally things were, I I don't know if changing is the right word. I think we were becoming a lot more aware Mm -hmm. of a lot of stuff. And I started to realize that the whole point of the Women in Horror Film Fest was to create inclusion. And it was starting to feel like it was excluding people um, because the assumption of when you see that, it's okay, well, it's a women's fest. And that was never my end-all be-all intent. I really wanted to create as colorful a landscape as possible and really highlight those voices who are often not heard, especially within this genre. So it kind of just seemed like the perfect time and it felt very organic to evolve and change and rebrand. Yeah. Well, I love that. Uh, it's so fascinating to me, like horror, like just the like cognitive dissonance of like the genre in a way that so depends on stories about women uh, you know, like women are at like the center, uh, you know, the final girl, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so much horror depends on, on women characters, like going through the horror for it to not be, a, to not allow women to tell those stories. Um, yeah. It, it's kind of bizarre or not, you know, writing, directing, producing, you know, being like behind the scenes at all, you know, cause it's one, you know, certainly there are plenty of women on film and horror, right. um, which, you know, we don't, we are starting to see more responsible representation of, you know, black, uh, other people, the global majorities, you know, roles in horror, um, you know, trans, you know, uh, these sort of more diverse characters on screen, but also behind the scenes, like we need more across the board. So I just love this because there were so many, people well, making I, the films. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. I mean, it's one thing to to have that representation and visibility on screen, but it's just as crucial as to who's putting that story and those characters on screen. And, you know, I do think we need to look at the creators and there needs to be more representation there as well. Um, and And I think that's across the board, not just in horror. I mean, I think that needs to be cinema. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But I, I think because horror has always been kind of the the black sheep of the cinema family, you know, and it has been primarily dominated by straight white men forever. I mean, I guess majority of Hollywood, you know, <laughs> has been like that. But you know, we're we're just trying to we're just trying to be a little bit louder, I guess, to say, hey, look at all of us. We're here. We're doing this really cool stuff. Yeah. We will not be ignored. (laughs) (laughs) 
Absolutely. But you also think some of the foundational like texts in horror, like Nosferatu, La Bride of Frankenstein, these are made by queer voices, queer male voices, yes, but still. So it is kind of fascinating sometimes, yeah. again, that cognitive dissonance of like, whose stories are being told and whose stories like stick around, you know, I mean, obviously yeah. that's not, you know, like across the board, but there are plenty of like really good examples that we've always been here. Uh, yeah. And we tell really good stories. So get out of the way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's a, you know, not just queer of it. You know, we, uh, we talk a lot about queer, you know, stuff on this podcast, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah but it's just across we do? the board. <laughs> But, you know, it's, yeah, that was the kind of the cool thing about being part of the, like the, the early judging process for this film festival was watching these, I I can't remember, it was like 36 or 39 different submissions that I watched. I'm sure there were, how many total? There had to be hundreds, a hundred plus. This was a bizarre year because we didn't get as many submissions as we usually do or that we were projecting to get. And I think a lot of that had to do with COVID and, and everything else. Um, but yeah, we, I'd ha- I mean, I'd have to look to give you an exact number because that we've got oh, the yeah. films and the screenplays kind of combined. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we have 39 judges wow. because we get so much and I don't, and it's all volunteer. I mean, I could not, do this at all without them. Um, and I adore them so much because they are volunteering their time to watch these films and read these screenplays. And, you know, I really got a shout out to all of them because they do it because they love it. I mean, yes, they all bring, you know, different perspectives to the table, which I think is crucial when judging work, but they also have an absolute love of the craft and of the genre and i think that's just as important yeah oh absolutely um and yeah well exactly and that was the kind of the cool thing about watching all of the submissions that i had and i'm sure joe can also speak to you know the ones that he watched and one like seeing such a massive diversity of the creative teams of the people writing filming but yeah just the love of like at least for the the things that i watched that were mostly horror related i there was Mm -hmm. some sci-fi thriller obviously horror is a umbrella topic or an umbrella you know term uh but yeah it was just like wow there are so many it was so hard to like i don't consider like our show is not really a review show like we're we're, we talk about horror as a function of like cultural anxiety of like what we're saying when we make a certain film like what does that reflect about the people who make it and like the time it's released and things like that so i don't necessarily consider myself somebody that like looks at a film and it's like oh the lighting's off on that or like the angle is weird because i don't you know i don't think the film that way so it was really tough to judge you know some of them because i'm just like this is so cool like you know you're just like wow like somebody made this and like, yeah. how am I going to say this is better than the other thing? Yeah. Subjective. Yeah. Because I really do believe that there is an audience for everything, mm-hmm. you know? And I always like, that really is the hardest part as cliche as it sounds. Like I, ugh, I dread that time period where it's like, okay, now we have to start letting people know if they got in or not. And I hate the word rejection. Because I don't ever want an artist who submits to the fest to feel rejected because it's, I don't think it's, it's really, I don't think it is a rejection. Um, And I say that and I know that they are probably going to listen and roll their eyes until they pop out of their head. Like you rejected me, (laughs) but (laughs) you know, we have a finite 
space to put all of this. And, you know, it is difficult and and you do have to think about the type of program you're trying to curate and and the blocks and what's going to speak to the audience and what's going to, you know, and it is tough when you have to get there and tell someone, you know, that their project is not going to be included. Um, and I, I mean, you know, I'm a filmmaker. I know how that feels. It, right. it sucks if you really want that. And you're like, oh, so close. Well, <laughs> especially when you're trying to build like a big tent, you know, by having folks, you know, because the theme is like inclusion and, and including right. voices that have been, um, you know, traditionally systematically excluded from film. Um, mm-hmm. to, to Joshua's point about like, we're not a review podcast. I feel like for me, because in my like in my like academic studies of like understanding a little bit more about film and mise-en-scene and all of those things it's it's one of the if if the if the technical elements are are good it helps doesn't get in the way of the good story and so mm. for me it was it was like it was difficult because a lot of the sh- a lot of everything that i watched was like the it's very intensely personal like there were so many intensely mm. personal stories either autobiographical or you know something that like based on experiences or you know all these different things but for me what made it interesting was the fact that like okay you can tell this really good story your technical elements are good which means you're not getting in the way of that and therefore you know, it's a little bit easier for me to pick this. But then, like, you had some where it's, like, really intense stories and then the technical elements weren't so great. But at the same time, it's, like, I still really had fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it was, it well, was definitely I, a, a daunting task. But, again, like, it was so much fun to just be a part of it. Yeah, and, you know, to speak to that, it's, like, I know some people get really hung up on the technical. And, obviously you know, you want to show the best and and make it look the best you can, you know, but again, the the point of this, it is a visual medium, but I mean, the point of it is to tell a great story. And if you can do that and evoke a response from the audience and make someone feel something, even if the sound is a little off or your lighting is not great. I mean, to me, it's, it's about the whole experience that's why you know as you guys know judging why we have that rubric of looking at all of these different things because so much more goes into it than i've seen some gorgeous films that are technically perfect and they're i'm like but this is just just a pretty it's pretty but (laughs) i don't feel anything i don't care about this person the story's all over the place and it's like okay you've proven to me that you can make something look pretty but i want to feel something Absolutely. Well, and there's like no shortage of that in <laughs> in, yeah. uh, in in the films that have been chosen. I was really, really happy to see a lot of the ones that I'm like, oh, I'd love that. I'm so glad that made it through or that other people agreed yeah. and, you know, kind of plugged into it. And again, not, you know, not all of them are these like technical wonders and not all of them are, you know, yeah, that's besides the point. And I, again, I really, I, I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Such a such a great yeah just such a great idea for a festival and a way to yeah expand the conversation on on what is horror uh i'm very excited you all have the wolfman's got nard so we'll talk a little bit of details of the actual festival coming up which again dear listener 
please check out the notes section of the show because we're going to have links to everything, the schedules and where to get tickets and all of that. Um, we'd love to we'd love to run into you there. Uh, but yeah, very excited about the Wolfman's Got Nards. Our friend Matt from Horror Movie Night is, I think, interviewed in that film, isn't he, Joe? I- about the making of... Fright yes, Night. Yes, or, I mean, uh, uh, Fright Night, geez, the Monster Squad. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> my brain right just did a weird bend. <laughs> the Monster Squad, apologies. Um, <laughs> that's going to be fun, is, the, is my point. <laughs> yeah, it, it will be fun. Um, and for anyone who's not seen it, it's, it's such a remarkable documentary. It's got such heart. And I'm so excited about it. And I'm thrilled that Andre Gower is going to be there to, you know, chat with all of us after the film. Yeah. Um, And it was important to me because I think the Monster Squad for a lot of, at least a lot of people kind of of my generation, it was almost kind of like that gateway film, you know, Mm. because it was still safe enough that you weren't going to like completely traumatize yourself. It had just enough scares in there to kind of you know make it exciting you know and and I think a lot of people gravitated to it for that reason yeah oh absolutely I had somehow I mean I think I'd seen it on tv growing up uh just kind of here and there but I never really sat down and watched the whole thing until I think like the first year we actually did this podcast we had Matt on because it was like his favorite film and we talked Mm -hmm. about it and yeah it kind of blew me away where I'm like wow uh (laughs) How did I like totally miss this as a kid? Because it's delightful. Yeah. I always have visitors. Sorry, yeah. Oh, that's all right. Again, cats come in and out. You know, there's things going on. It's all right. Um. Yeah. At least he's wearing pants. That's all I got to say. Hey, he's, there we go. He's come in so many times in his underwear, and I'm like, we're we're right here. Oh my gosh! I think I watched something you all did where yeah. that happened. Yeah, it happens every time. I guarantee it. Uh, kids you know he someday he'll be a gif or a gif or whatever those things are called (laughs) (laughs) uh a meme uh whatever yeah Um, he'll be a meme for sure Uh, obviously we're very much looking forward to the, uh, Saturday night showing a freaky with the, uh, writer, Michael J. Kennedy, cause we'll be hosting the Q and a with that yes. so another plug for our thing. So again, if you don't, if there are, if, if we haven't given you enough great reasons to run to this festival, like, come on, like, <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Um, yeah. Um, you have a raffle going on right now as well, which I feel like I need yes. to buy tickets because, oh my gosh, this like Craven package is amazing. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> talk a little, maybe just chat a little bit about that, about the raffle. That's sure. Happening. So, uh, n- not to sound all woe is me, but, um, this was kind of, it's been a rough couple years. Uh, yeah, just there's a bit. this virus going around that kind of ruined everything. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we're we're trying to raise a little extra money for the fest. Um, you know, this is, the, I think anybody who has this idea that like, you know, oh, let's start a festival, we'll make a ton of money. Uh, no, you won't. But <laughs> that shouldn't be why you get into that. Right. <laughs> um, but we are trying to raise a little bit um, to kind of help the fest. And so I called all of my friends in horror 
And they were so gracious to donate some really amazing items. And so we put together a couple of packages, which um, all of the details of what you can get are on the website. Um, But yeah, we're doing a little raffle. Um, You can buy some tickets. And we're actually going to go live on Facebook this Thursday, the 10th. Yeah. At um, 8 o'clock Eastern. Uh, and we are going to be joined by Mr. Andre Gower, the writer and director of Wolfman's Got Nards, yeah. and uh, Adam Marcus, who wrote and directed Jason Goes to Hell, um, who's been a big supporter and help with the fest. So should be a lot of fun. There's some really cool stuff in there. Um, if, if anybody's a collector and likes signed cool things by horror celebrities yeah I mean, it's very diverse there's all kinds of cool stuff in here so yeah we'll have the information uh linked below as well dear listeners so uh check that out because even if you can't attend hey there's a way to help support a, a a radical film festival and uh well the radical <laughs> renegade film festival i should say <laughs> and okay. um Similar. You know, support, uh, you know, support incredible uh, spaces for uh, for for artists to uh, to share their work. Uh, so even if you can't make it, hey, maybe you'll win something cool. And like I said, support yeah. the best. We'll in ship the, it to you. Same. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's move into we're going to. Uh, so today we're chatting about The Descent. You sent us a great list of films, uh, a bunch yeah. of them we have done on the show before because they're they were classics. You know, you know, you know, your his, horror history. Uh, but The Descent, somehow we never have done that before. And so today we thought we would, uh, yeah, chat about chat about that. It's a, a good again, I went back and looked because I couldn't remember if a woman had written or directed it and not. But <laughs> it is credited with sort of um shaking up horror a bit with an all-female cast of like badass women yeah. uh so joe let's start with your thoughts this was the first time you'd watched it what did you what did you think oh my god what british lesbian extravaganza <laughs> did i watch um first of all vanessa i i want you to know that like i typically do not watch movies at night like especially for fright school because i just you know i just don't need that right before bed and <laughs> It's already like the COVID anxiety of it all keeps me up enough as it is. I just don't. You just need a good comedy chaser. That's all. See, and I haven't like I, I I've been binging Grace and Frankie, so I think that needs. Uh, I think that that's helped a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I want to have like Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin descent mashup dreams. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I mean, maybe. Maybe, maybe, right? But I gotta say that, like, it was perfect viewing for, like, a nighttime thing. And I was like, okay, well, I need to watch this tonight. I won't have any other times to watch it. So I'm watching The Descent. And, like, it played on, like, very specific fears that I did not know I had. The claustrophobia of it all. Like, I'm, I'm a big girl. And I'm like, there's no way that, like, this is, like, when they're in the hole going, like, into the before the collapse i was like oh my god this is giving me like winnie the pooh stuck in the <laughs> in the hole and that's what, Joe, i'm like but that's, I you're a mom it. you know you know you would know like i do <laughs> i'm just like oh my god this is this is so stressful i mean visually it was beautiful but like the whole time it was 
I, I have to say, and this is this is gonna make me sound so awful and basic, but it was I had I don't usually watch with subtitles. I had to watch with subtitles because the like British of it all was very difficult to follow. Um, <laughs> And, the British was hard for you, yes. Yes, British was hard for me, but overall it was a very fun watch. Um, Joshua has a great story about The Descent, um, which I'll let him tell when he first watched it. And I kept, and the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, oh my God, if I was Joshua watching this the way he did, I would not. I would be just as freaked out. <laughs> how, well, we, how did you watch we it? We will what get... Was- well, I wanted to hear your thoughts on it first, but I will oh. tell that story because I don't want to, uh, you know, I'm trying to keep an eye on time. So I, I got to figure gotcha. out how fast I can tell it. So let's get your <laughs> thoughts first. <laughs> um, yeah, I I loved this movie. Um, I actually just recently rewatched it a couple months ago because uh, my daughter, who is 16, you know, she's starting to get into horror. And, you know, she, I think she's not going to fall for like the stupid campy stuff. So I was like, let's, let's find something that can really, that I think is scary, you know? And I, I think you kind of hit it on the, hit the nail on the head there. Like this movie will draw out fears and anxieties that you don't realize you had, or it will just create them for you because they did such a good job of putting you in that place. I mean, I am, I'm kind of an indoor girl. I don't, I don't like to camp or do stuff outside with nature. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, indoor and, kids here or me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, caves and cave exploring. I have no interest in, um, it terrifies me just the thought of it. And for this exact reason, this movie, I'm like this, this right here is why I do not go in caves. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, I mean, go watch it. You won't go in a cave. I don't, there's no reason to go exploring caves because you're either going to get stuck or, you know, murdered or find monsters. Right. One or all of those things will happen. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is the film I need to just start saying, you know, like when new people meet me and are like, you know, would you like to like go outside with us? I'm just going to send them that. Like, no, yeah. I would not like to go anywhere like that with you. You come in here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll come into my house. We'll hit safe. It's not, it's a nice open <laughs> floor plan. <laughs> no one's gonna we know where the exits are. We don't have to like, you know, read cave paintings to get out. <sighs> Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I will say that if the apocalypse happens, it's definitely like this group of women. Like, <laughs> I could definitely be in their gang. Like, if you like bring stuff back, I'll cook and make everything. Like, you know, I'll cl- I'll do all like the that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. If, if these badasses will like keep the zombie horde at, at bay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I found interesting about this is. There's that yummy little juicy subtext of this weird kind of competitive nature among women Mm. and like friend groups. And they did such a good job of kind of playing on it without being like hit you over the head with it, you know, where there was this kind of competitive one upmanship and jealousy, you know, that kind of came through. And obviously, I think was the downfall of some of these characters. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, so did that ring true? Because sometimes when that sort of thing shows up in films, like you know, especially if a man writes women characters and he like makes them all catty and they all actually hate each other, you know, but they pretend to be friends. It can feel very like I feel like this is like you know myths of like patriarchy, yeah, uh, kind of thing. So it's like sometimes I wonder in watching, you know, rewatching this film again the other night and thinking about like you know I wonder if this rings true like for my friends who are like. Who I mean, I know some of these women, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, I have friends that are very like I wonder, like, do they like would this ring it true for them? It didn't and I, I wanna say like that's why I think they did a good job because it didn't feel like a trope. It didn't feel like a yeah. stereotype of women. Um, I think it does ring true to an extent. I mean, obviously I'm not speaking for all women and I don't think all women behave that way. However, I have experienced groups of women where there is this kind of underlying um i don't anim, animosity might not be the right word but like there's this sense of like i really don't want you to succeed i'm just going to wait and see what happens and then i'm going to take my opportunity uh. to go over you um and i felt like that was that was touched on in the film but i think it was done I felt like it was done kind of delicately. Like it didn't feel like it was a, you know, let's just show how catty and awful women are to each other. (laughs) Yeah, no. And I agree. I think you're right. It is, it is a nice subtle, you know, I mean, they're freaking, you know, like sporty outdoors types like that. I think naturally kind of comes like, it makes sense. I also wonder, because I I, I think I had read somewhere that the original script, it was going to be mixed gender. So there were going to be men and women in it, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, you know, was kind of the thing. And then they decided, and I wonder, did they really rewrite the script? Cause like with alien, you know, that was originally written as all men. And then mm-hmm. they made two of the characters, women without really changing the dial or, cha- you know, so it's like, they just gender flip them without thinking would yeah. the character be different as a man or a woman. And I wonder if that also kind of happened here where they sort of kept the characters as they were, just decided to make them all women. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, but I don't, yeah, I don't either, but I'm just, it makes me wonder about the reading of the film in that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, and because I do think it would probably play different if, if some of those characters would have been men, I think it would have possibly been interpreted slightly differently. The, the things that, you know, were going yeah. on. I guess, it's weird. I don't want to say too much in case somebody hasn't seen that. Film. I don't want to ruin it. I oh no, we spoil. People know we spoil all the okay, time. Like that's spoil. if you're listening. Yeah. Hopefully, you're watching the film with our context in mind. You know, so right. it's, it's all right that uh, that we spoil. I think we were listening to Fright School and that bitch ruined that movie. <laughs> yeah, no, we Sorry. people know they, they generally. I think people who listen, you know, our our listeners, they kind of listen to our episodes because they have seen the film and are just curious about what we think yeah. about it, uh, or they kind of pick and choose or wait. You know, oh, I can't listen to that. Yet because I haven't seen that movie. Um, yeah. I was going to say, I also think this might just as, you know, Fright School overcomplicating horror since 2016. That's our that's our motto. <laughs> I think it really adds something that you have these sort of unevolved cave people, cavemen mostly. Obviously, we do see that there are some child crawlers and some, you know, female looking crawlers. But largely, it's this like group of badass women being attacked by like underdeveloped cavemen, you know, and I don't know, it adds this whole other like subtext of like how, 
you know, you can just hear the criticisms or like you can hear the like the sexist like assholes like that might attack films like this or like go- the Ghostbusters remake or other movies that are like, you know, trying yeah. to do something different. Um, and, and I feel like it adds this whole nice subtext of just, yeah, these like unevolved, like, you know, monstrous men trying to take these women down and they just like uh, fight back. Obviously, yeah. they win in a lot of ways, like to some degree they do kill a lot lot of the girls unfortunately a lot of the women um excuse me in in this film but uh which again i guess does speak to a history of powerful women being uh subjected to the tyranny of of patriarchy uh but anyways that's just my overcomplicated brain like (laughs) watching it like "Mm, there's a whole conversation happening here especially knowing that this film came out in 2006 before we really started having conversations with the in me too and feminism mm-hmm. and horror even though those weren't new concepts obviously but like we, we really started to reckon with that only in the last decade or so oh yeah no i completely agree it's like one of those things that's always been there but we we haven't been like so openly discussing it you yeah. know it's kind of one of those things that was swept under the rug a little bit um so Joshua, are you oh. saying that like are you saying that if uh, uh, let me let me let me kind of reinterpret or rephrase what you're saying. So basically, this the descent is this metaphor for women in film or women in media trying to make it, where there's a lot there's competition. Kind of to Vanessa's point, there's competition, there's infighting between you know amongst them. But really, the real enemy, <laughs> the real enemy, a la Sinead O'Connor on you know SNL. The real enemy are the like unevolved ma- cavemen figures that are out there, literally trying to eat them alive. Right. So well, I wouldn't. Saying- I wouldn't limit it to the media. I mean, I would say okay. ge- in general, you know, there there are always going to be these unevolved men. Well, hopefully not always. I shouldn't say that. I won't put that on the world because I, I do have hope that we're changing. Um, but yeah, that there's always going to be a man ready to tear down you know, a powerful woman who doesn't need him, um, gleefully and, you know, with such carna, car, like carnivoristic, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, monstrosity, you know, men love, they love it. Like you see it all over 4chan and in comment sections, they just love to attack women and tear them down and they're just enjoying it. And so I think there, I think there's something to be said about that it, within this film, recontextualizing yeah. it. Or it's just about monsters attacking people that wander into their cave. But that, what fun would that be? (laughs) But but that's the great thing about film and about the horror genre is Mm. both of those interpretations are correct. Right. I mean, it really is, I think, up to the viewer to, it's whatever that takeaway is, you know, what, and some of that's very, very personal. I mean, obviously we all have our own perspectives of the world and our experiences and what we're going through. So seeing something, we might naturally project our own experiences onto that and interpret it that way because of that. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know if I articulated that correctly. It sounded like a horrible explanation. <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. And it's true. And I think, again, that's why we try not to review too much, like, or, or give that sort of like, this is a good film. This is a bad film. Like, and we do something, you know, you wander into it. There's, I don't love every single horror film, but I love the genre as a whole. And so yeah. if somebody comes along and is like, 
I freaking love this movie that I'm like, eh. I'm like, hey, good for you. At least somebody loves it. We all need to be loved. Yeah. <laughs> so I it's that's true. great. Like spread but that joy. I love joy. having these conversations because I love to hear what other people take away uh, from yeah. certain movies because I'll rewatch it sometimes through that lens and be like, oh, I totally missed that and I never would have thought of that until I had that conversation with you. And so it it kind of makes revisiting those films a little bit more enjoyable because, you know, you you get to see new stuff each time. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. We get that all the time where people will like send us a message or, you know, we do have friends that listen to the show. It's like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Or other times it's like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, I would have never, you're so right. You know? And it's like, I love that. It's amazing. I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's the whole joy in doing this. Um, So I was curious real quick, Joe, which ending did you see? How did, how did the film, the version you saw end? Um, it was the, it was the ending where, um, Juno shows up in the car. Okay. So like the flash. Okay. I only have like the extended cut, so I couldn't remember where the theatrical ended and I didn't bother to check because I... (laughs) Wait, what did, I don't know. What, what what did the extended cut? End? So oh. the extended cut is like, yeah, she screams or whatever, but then she like wakes up back. Like it was all an illusion that she escaped in the first place and she's like trapped and she has like a vision of her daughter and then oh. it like fades out as you can hear kind of the crawlers coming to her. Uh, but then it kind That's of picks up. That's not the version up. I saw. Yeah, I, again, it's just like, when this came out back in 2006, like this was me at the height of like, really my like horror hysteria (laughs) like Mm -hmm. to some degree in the sense that I was going I was seeing every single thing and like the second it was released I had to have like the special director's edition extended cuts of everything more gore more blood torture porn all that stuff I went through like that this intense like kind of 10-year period of that um and then I became like really an adult and realized like the horrors in the world and so I can't really deal with tortury porn stuff as much as I used mm-hmm. to be able to. Um, not in the same way, not with the same glee, <laughs> especially yeah. as I contextualize it all with like, Oh, no, I, <laughs> I totally get that. Um, I, you know, have been a horror fan my entire life. Yeah. And then I had children and things changed a little bit. And like to a point where I was like, Oh my God, I don't, I don't know if I can ever watch this stuff again. Yeah. Um, I was watching probably different, things and i just yeah i i've never been a huge fan of the torture porn stuff but some of it really i was like i i, I don't ever want to say like this but i i don't know i don't i don't need it i don't need to consume it i don't need to know that it exists like yeah yeah some stuff put is it tough. somewhere else and <laughs> not talk to me about it <laughs> i just feel like when i because like I right after it. Right after 9-11 and everything kind of, then it was like hostile and saw and like everything just got really dark and violent. And I was like right along for that ride, that roller coaster. And then like, just as it kind of tapered off, it was like, perfect. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I need too much more of that. Um, we have yeah. a Serbian film, like that's enough. I think we pushed it Oof. as far as we can go. Let's, you know, let's yeah. get back into, you know, but again, I say that and I loved Spiral. You know, I went to see that. I, I will still see a new Saw movie and, if it's too much, then, you know, look away. But, um, so yeah, uh, the point was, is that, yeah, they do kind of have a little bit more of an extended ending, but I don't think it makes as much sense in context of the sequel, which I actually also enjoy. It's fun. It's a little nonsensical at times. Just I've it's not like, seen the sequel. 
Okay. I need to well, we check won't. Out. Yeah, we won't. Uh, we won't talk too much. I about mean, that. you can spoil it; it won't matter. Yeah, <laughs> I'll still yeah. watch it. <laughs> it's yeah, it's fun. I mean, it picks up like right after. It's like two days later, but it's like three people go back to the cave. It's like, why don't you have like a massive like? T- Anyways, that's not the. Point. Why would um, you go back? <laughs> yeah, it's a whole because they have to like don't find the other back. girls and. No, it adds kind of a. It adds a th- <laughs> right. Yeah, they don't. It adds. Like, a, bye, ladies. We're done. <laughs> It adds Sorry. kind of a stream to people who like talk about like, well, maybe the crawlers don't actually exist. They're all in Sarah's mind. She killed them all. And she's having like a descent into madness. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, you know, thing, but it's obvious that the police and all things, she murdered all of her friends in this cave and then escaped in the sequel. Right. That's kind of the thought. Uh, and then of course they go and, you know, havoc ensues yeah. when the crawlers are like, yay, more fresh meat. Uh, so anyways, real quick. So my story with the descent, I, I'm pretty sure I've told this on the show before, but I'm, I'm not sure. So back in, I was 21 when this came out. And of course, at that time, opening weekend for everything that first Friday, if I could, like, I was seeing the horror film, if not Saturday. So a bunch of my friends and I, we went and uh, we it was like summer, wasn't it? I think it was August. Yeah, August. So in August in Cincinnati is like gross, <laughs> like so hot, sticky. But it was yeah. the best time to do at the time what we love to do, which was hot boxing. So it's like where we would get in the car, like four or five of us, and you'd be smoking a joint, a blunt, a bowl, everything. And you're just passing all this around. So everybody's just getting super, super high. And you're really warm, so like it feels like every pore in your body like is is high, is smoking, and you would just sit there. Like we would sit there for like an hour and get really stoned, yeah. and then we went into the theater to see this movie. And of course, we were late. Like it hadn't started yet, but we didn't get there early enough to get you good punctual? seats. <laughs> right, we were not punctual. Yeah, <laughs> don't smoke pot, kids. You're not going to get anywhere on time. <laughs> but you know, and it was like the kind of like you'd get so high you could barely walk. You know, I mean, it was just so dumb. Like when I when I think back on it, like it was just like, but whatever. That's what we were doing. Yeah. So we go to the it's theater. And it's summer. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. So we we go into the the, the movie and it's packed. Uh, and the only seats available that are enough for all of us are those very first seats in the oh. theater. So we sit down and we're all, you know, craning to like look up at the screen, just fucked up beyond. I mean, just so stoned. And then we had to watch that movie and it was like being on the most insane ride because of that. Like, yeah, the claustrophobia of it. I have nightmares like that where I'm like trapped in like some kind of suit or a hole at the bottom of the ocean or some kind of weird. Like I just I have like really bad like. claustrophobia like being trapped and it was just this terrible experience but i love the film it was so fun but also like it was quite the ride to get through and all of us just freaking out the whole time so that's that's the story it was you know just being dumb and (sighs) i also did that for saw four which opens with a really really brutal autopsy scene that i was like why did i do this to myself Right. <laughs> what am I looking at? <laughs> so keeping Vanessa, keeping all of that in mind, hearing the having heard this story a couple times before, I'm watching mm-hmm. it and I was like, I would be out. I would be like full on get me out of here. Like 
big screen because I the only time I've ever watched a movie that close was the first Sex in the City movie, and that was a little different. Yeah, a little different, but that was uncomfortable. (laughs) And too close. It's too close. No, the mole was like. Sarah Jessica Parker's mole was like, you know, I would rather have uh, the crawler's eyes. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Had a little hat. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That experience, like there's, like looking back, you know, when I would or could, you know, just freely get stoned and not have to do anything except go to a movie. (laughs) It intensifies, like, I don't know that I could handle the descent high. Yeah. Like, I think I would have been like, a freak. I was like, get me out of here. Yeah, it was definitely, I like, gripping the sides. Lobby. Yeah, I remember, like, being in the thing, like, whoa. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I mean, what? you probably, like, look at your arm and then be like, oh, there's nail marks. For yeah. Like, <laughs> digging in. <laughs> yeah, we all left at this, like, wow, that was that was quite an experience. So That you know. needs a comedy chaser for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Vanessa, we really appreciate your time, uh, again, because we know it's been you're just buried in a thousand things you have to do running this, this film festival. So uh, we, we really appreciate you taking, you know, uh, a few minutes out just to, to chat and hang with us. Is there any, you know, last minute things about the fest? Any, you know, last um, thoughts? Yeah. I mean, just listeners come join us, come see all these amazing movies, have fun with us. It's such a cool experience. I mean, I have to say, I've been to a lot of festivals and I hear it from a lot of people. Like it, it's such, it is like watching these great movies with all of your closest friends. And then we all get to just hang out afterwards and talk about it. Like, it's just wonderful. Oh, I'm looking forward to the after parties at the, uh, yes. what was some, some rabbit? What is it called? Hair? It's the red hair. hair. The red hair. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, this just sounds fun. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, tracking down uh, filmmakers and be like, please come on our show and talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and they would love to. Seriously, yeah. filmmakers love talking about their movies. So yeah, well, we we love that they do. So and uh, we love that they make them because it uh, gives us it gives purpose to this. Yes, <laughs> gives me a reason to see Joe every week. Uh, alrighty, well, thank you so much again, dear listeners. Check out the notes. We got lots of links in there for all the information uh, for the Renegade Film Festival happening in uh it's not atlanta proper but it's um what's it it's called? just um, outside of atlanta and marietta marietta there we go marietta georgia that's oh yeah it's gonna be fun I, i'm i'm just so 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 excited so we can't wait to see you there thank you guys <laughs> all right joe well i hope that you have a good night thanks bye Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. <laughs> listening to the Geekscape Network.